Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. said last week, we're so blessed to have such talent so that we could worship God. Amen. It's good to be up here this morning as we continue our series about Jesus in the Old Testament. It's uh, kind of odd to me that some people only like to, to study the New Testament because, you know, we're Christians and that's more written to us these days. But God is eternal, amen? amen? So he was there in the past, he's in the present, and he's in the future. Uh, Matt preached last week, wrestling with God how Jacob and Jesus actually wrestled. And the good takeaway was the forgiveness of Jesus is our only hope against sin, against death and destruction. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for this day where we could come and worship you. Lord, uh, let everything we say and do bring you glory. Lord, let it not be our words, but your word, which is truth. Lord, your word which heals people, your word which changes lives, Lord, that's what we want to focus on this morning. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Direct your attention to the screens. God's nature never changes. He is and he will always be. He is who he is. That's what his name Jehovah even means. means I am. Yahweh means... He is. He's God. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. He is. He is. He is. He is. Jesus. He is Elohim. God, Judge, Creator. Yahweh, Lord, Jehovah. El Elyon, the Most High God. Adonai, Lord, Master. El Shaddai, Lord, God Almighty. El Elam, the Everlasting God, the God of Eternity, the God of the Universe, the God of Ancient Days. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. He is the Shiloh, the Peacemaker. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner, the Lord my miracle. He is Kenah, jealous. He is Jehovah Enkadash, the Lord who sanctifies you, the Lord who makes holy. He is, he is a star. A scepter out of Israel. The cursed of God. The captain of the host of the Lord. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of powers. The rock of my salvation. My salvation. He is the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds. He is the day's man. The interpreter. My rock and my redeemer. He is crowned, the crown of pure gold. The most blessed forever. Forever. He is the forsaken. The worm and no man. He is Jehovah Ra. He is my restorer. The king of glory. He who setteth king forever. He is a stranger and an alien. My strong rock, my rock in my fortress. Fairer than the children of men, the rock that is higher than I. The rock of my strength. The rock of habitation. He is as rain upon the mown grass, as showers that water the earth. The rock of my heart, the, the shield. shield. The rock 
rock of my refuge. A king and priest after the order of Melchizedek. A brother born for adversity. A friend that loveth at all times. A stone of grace. A friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is his ointment poured forth. My well-beloved. A bundle of myrrh. A cluster of henna blooms. The rose of Sharon. He is the lily of the valley. The lily of the valley. The chiefest among ten thousand. His countenance is as Lebanon. Yea, he is altogether lovely. He is my beloved and my friend. He is holy. He is a sanctuary. He is a sanctuary. He is a sanctuary. Now, as you can see, as uh, people try to describe the God that we worship, he's an indescribable God. So that's why he has so many different names in the way that people try to describe him and describe his attributes. But one name stands out above the rest, and it's a name that not only talks about who he is, but what he is. See, I am refers to I am that in the, in the manner that I exist. Now, that, that doesn't sound amazing right off the bat, but if you think about it, what God is saying here is, I was before there was anything. I am in the present right now, allowing all things to exist. I will be in the future for eternity allowing all things to exist there as well. That is why the title of our sermon this morning is The Great I Am. We'll be in Exodus 3, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. It'll be up on the screen, or there's a Bible in front of you, or there's a Bible on your phone. We have many ways to read those. So let's dig into this and find out what, about what happened when Moses encountered the Great I Am. Starting with verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire of the, in the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And he said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why is this bush not burned? Then the Lord saw that he turned to aside to see, called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take off your, the sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good land and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my, pe bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? 
He said, but I will be with you, and this will be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this very mountain. When Moses said, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all the generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hevites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it, after that, they will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. A couple of verses there. But if we take all those verses and what Moses is going through, we get to this main point. Living to please God is not always easy. However, when we put our faith in him and his promises, we will see lives changed. Listen, living for God is not always easy, but that's not what it's about. Moses must have felt like this was an impossible task God was asking him. He was even questioning God to his face. But we'll see what happens when he places his faith into the, the great I am. Let's break these verses down and see why this is true. Starting back at verse 4. Now, let me set this up a little. Moses is tending his father-in-law's flocks. He's just chilling out in, in the wilderness, uh, kind of being a sheep herder. Uh, he's made for himself a nice life. He's got a wife. He's you know, got a job. And he's just living life, minding his own business. When he sees this bush on fire and God calling him out from this bush. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses. Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take off your sandals for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. We notice here in verse 5, God calls Moses out of the bush. 
Moses sees this and he goes towards that bush. But God says, whoa, 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 wait. Wait, before you just come rolling up on here, wait a second. He tells Moses, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Now, think about that. See, as sinners, sin-filled people, we can't just roll up into the face of God. You see, sin can't stand in the presence of a holy God in all his glory. I think of this, uh, sometimes we have uh, campfires, and I just, I love a good campfire. For some reason, it's mesmerizing, and you could just sit back and relax and stare at that thing for hours. You ever notice that in the middle of that fire, when it's kind of died down a little, it's, it's like this glowing amber. It is so hot in there, and sometimes you even see some blue in it. Think about that. What would happen, because we like to throw a lot of stuff in the fire just to see if it'll burn. Think about picking up a dry leaf. What would happen to that dry leaf if you flicked it into the middle of those ambers? It's so hot in there, it almost just goes poof, and it's gone. That's what would happen if we, in our sinful state, would just go before the presence of God. Sin cannot withstand the presence of the Holy God. So God says to Moses, whoa, wait a second. Before you just come rolling up in here, just stop. Let me, let me prepare your heart for a second. So God quickly prepares him. Verse 6. Moses re- understands that he's looking at the face of God himself. As, Moses, as God says to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He reminds Moses who he is. Immediately it says, once Moses realized that this is God and exactly who he is, he's afraid to look at him. Picking back up in verse 7. Now that Moses is in the right mindset, God tells him why he's there. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people out to the children of Israel. So verse 7, he starts to paint a picture for Moses. He's saying, I've seen the affliction of, of the people. I see what's going on there. I'm aware of it. What you may not understand is that for a while, Moses has been removed from that situation. Moses left Egypt and left the Jewish people not under great circumstances either. And he made a life for himself out in the wilderness for a reason, because he kind of wanted to get away from that. And it's almost like God's reminding him, Moses, those people are suffering there. Do you remember those people there? I see it. Verse 8, God reminds him the covenant that he has with the Jews. He says, 
I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and I'm going to bring them into the promised land. These are my promised people, Moses. They're slaves now, but I've promised to make them a great nation. Do you remember that? So as God's going through this with Moses and reminding him of of all these things, there's got to be a part of Moses where he's like, this is awesome. Okay, so God has not forgotten about them. This is going to be great. God's going to remember his covenant with these people. It it, it broke Moses' heart that they were slaves there. And we're going to get into that a little bit uh, uh, further on. But at this point, Moses has to be thinking, this is going to be great. God's going to go and he's going to deliver the people. This is God. This is going to be awesome. And then verse 10, God drops the bomb on him. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people out, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. He had to be thinking, what? You're God. These are your people. You're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. Do you remember what happened the last time I was in Egypt, God? In fact, he fled Pharaoh's house after he killed a guy trying to stick up for the people and ran away from there in shame. This brings us to our first point. God is all-powerful and all-knowing, but he chooses to work through us. Even though Moses was thinking, it can't be me. Are you you kidding, God? You're you're building me up. I'm getting excited. Yeah, you're going to go in there. And you're going to save those people. And now you're going, yeah, I'm going to send you. See, even though God is perfect, he is all-powerful and he is all-knowing, he chooses to enact his will through us many times. Let's move on to verse 11. See, God doesn't care about our past as much as he cares about our future. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So like I said, he had a position in Pharaoh's house, Moses did. He wasn't with the other slaves, but when he was there, he saw the affliction and he saw how terrible they were treating his brothers and sisters. So much so that he got mad and he struck one of the slave masters and killed him. And at that point, the people turned on him and said, Oh, aren't you that, that guy that killed the Egyptian? He fled Egypt in shame some 40 years before this. He's thinking, really? So the guy that was already there and already failed at all this, I'm going to have to go back into that situation, Lord? Verse 12. I like how God immediately distinguishes that. Wait, I will be with you. You're not going to do this in your own strength, in your own power. I will be with you. And then he kind of gives them a promise with that. He says, you know what? When after all this is done, when you lead the people out of Egypt, you're coming right back here to worship me. 
So remember this conversation. Because when you go and you do, you do what I say, you're going to see amazing things happen, and you're going to end up right back here on this mountain with the people worshiping me. Verses 13, 14, and 15. Then Moses said to God, Okay, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, Well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered by this throughout all the generations. So 14, I'm sorry, verse 13, Moses is debating with God. Okay, I'm buying into this, God. You're saying you're going to be with me. I can't just roll up there and go, hey, guys, remember me? Maybe, maybe not. God sent me. Who am I to tell? By what authority do I have to walk in there? So God gives it to him. In verse 14, he says, I am. Now, Pastor Steve kind of you know, covered this a little. It, it, it is, it is kind of awesome. It, it really just means I exist. But it is the, where we get Yahweh, which is Hebrew. And it's where we, from Yahweh, the Latin term is Jehovah. These are, these are the most holiest of God's names. Jehovah means he brings into existence whatever exists. And let me just spoil this for you guys. He did it out of nothing. There is no other God that claims to create out of absolutely nothing. Every other God has stuff to deal with that they control. There is no God, ex nihilio, creation out of nothing. There is no other God like that. So what he's doing with these terms is he's claiming sole possession of the term God. I am. And I love verse 15 how he says, and this will be my name throughout the generations. You see, what's really cool here is some 1,500 years later, when Jesus is in his human form, actually walking the earth, he's arguing in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, with some, with some Pharisees. These Pharisees are trying to discredit him, even calling him the father of demons. So Jesus, debating with these religious leaders, these Jewish religious leaders, knowing that they have this all twisted, tells them this, you know your father Abraham? He rejoiced at the coming of my day. So the Pharisees say, really? You're not even 50 years old. How did Abraham rejoice at the coming of your day? And he said, because before Abraham was, I am. Now, that might not make sense to the normal person, but these Jewish religious leaders were just like, oh, uh, no way. He didn't just say that. In fact, at that very moment, it said, 
in the, in the end of chapter 8 that they picked up big rocks to stone him to death because that was the highest form of blasphemy. He just straight up told them, I am the great I am. I am eternal. I've always existed. I exist now and I will exist for all eternity. Some 1,500 years later, that seems like his name for all generations. Amen? Amen. So anyway, so God is trying to get Moses to stop thinking about doing this in his own power. Moses is debating with God and saying, how am I supposed to do this? And he said, well, because the great I am is sending you. And you're going to do it in my own power. It's my plan. It's my power, Moses, not yours. Kind of reminds me of salvation. I mean, if you think about the gospel, it's not about our plan and our power. Who here can save themselves? What is your plan of salvation? What's your idea for saving yourself in your plan and your power? There isn't one. When we realize that God has a plan to save us, God has a plan for us to dwell in eternity with him forever, it's exactly like this. We submit to the idea that we are sinners, we have no hope of salvation, and if it wasn't for God and his plan and his power of raising himself from the dead to defeat sin and death, we would be in big trouble. Amen? Brings us to our second point. When we forget it's done in his power and not ours, we put God inside a box. There's some people that think God can't save them. I've heard that before. I've heard people say, I've done too many bad things. There's no way that God could save me. You're right, in your plan, in your power, but not in God's plan, in God's power. It reminds us of our main idea. Living to please God is not always easy, but when we put our faith in him and his promises, we see lives changed. God was getting ready to do something amazing with the Jewish people, but Moses had to buy into this plan in order for it to happen. Continuing in verse 16, so God's saying, all right, now I have your attention. Now I've convinced you of what you're going to do. Now go. Verse 16, go and gather the elders of Israel, which it's funny, the Hebrew term for elders here is the bearded ones. I thought you guys would appreciate that, so I guess I'm going to have to start growing mine out. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I'll bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he's saying, go, go gather my people. Remind them that I am the one true God. I see their strife. I'm about to do something amazing. But not only will I deliver them out of their slavery, I've prepared a place 
for you. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, what is the big deal about milk and honey? It reminds me of like Honey Nut Cheerios or something. I don't know. But there, it's a big deal. Hey, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, if you think about it, what is that region like? It's a desert. It's rough terrain. In order to have milk and honey, you need cows. You need fields to graze them in. You need pl flowering plants so that bees can live. Hopefully, fruit-bearing plants. You need water to water all of these things to make them exist and live. So when they hear, I'm sending you to a land flowing with milk and honey, they're like, that sounds like paradise. That is amazing. Not like this desert that we have to strive to live for every single thing that we, that we get. Verse 19, God warns Moses, this is going to be awesome, but it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for you. Not for me, but for you. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and I will strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, they will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And they will let you go. And you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of their neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. So God's starting to prepare Moses again. He's convinced him to go in. You're not going to do it in your power. You're going to do it in mine. But it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. You're not just going to stroll in there, say a couple of words, and stroll out. They're going to fight against you. It's going to seem impossible even at moments. But when they see what I'm going to do, by the end of it, they'll be so convinced they don't want you there after all the plagues and all the afflictions that my mighty hand is about to faust upon the Egyptians. They'll be helping you pack. They'll be giving you their jewelry. They'll be giving you everything you're going to need to go and do the very things that I'm calling you to do. Brings us to our third point. God has such patience with his children. He doesn't want us to miss out on the incredible things that he's going to do. Again, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. It's going to seem like in your own power, it's impossible. The Bible says in Hebrews that it is impossible to please God without faith. Sometimes that's all we need to do is put our faith in the great I am. As Mike comes up, I just want to remind us of a few things. First of all, we learned God is sovereign over all things, but he chooses to work through us. See, God doesn't need us. You're talking about a God that spoke forth an entire universe that we can't even number the stars in. Did he really need Moses to do that? He could have did it an infinite amount of ways, but he chose Moses. Do you realize 
realize this morning that God wants to use you? Does God need us? No. But think about that. What is God calling you to do? But here's the thing. You can't see a burning bush in your life and just walk by and ignore it. You have to be looking for that. You have to see that God wants to use you. You just, he will reveal how. We learn when God, when we forget it's done in his power and not ours, we put God inside of a box. Listen, don't let your past dictate your future. God might be asking you to do something and you're like, I've tried that before, God. I've been there, I've done that, I failed. See, when we do that, we put this almighty creator God in a little human-sized box that he does not belong in. If God is asking you to do this, it's going to be done in his power, in his will, in his time, and in his way. All we need to do is accept that and step into it. And we need to remember if God asks you to do something, the great I am is sending you. And then remember, God has such patience with his children. He does not want us to miss out on the incredible things. I think that's the why. That's the why we get to be involved in all these things that this awesome God is doing because it's a relationship. He is our father. We are his children. Let me ask you, as a parent, doesn't it feel good to see your children succeed? Doesn't it feel good to see them living good lives and, and enjoying things? I think that's the relationship that we have with God. He wants us to be part of these things. He wants to see us strive and he wants to see us succeed. But it's in his will and according to what he wants to see done because Really, that's the best way, amen? And remember our main idea. Living to please God is not always easy. However, when we put our faith in His promises, in Him and His promises, we will see lives change. That's kind of the kicker of all this. See, guys, it's about the gospel and the power of the gospel to change people's lives. I don't have that power. Pastor Matt doesn't have that power. Pastor Steve doesn't have that power. Nobody has that power, but the gospel does. The gospel says, I know you're not good enough. The gospel says, I know you can't save yourself, but I have a plan. And because I love you, I will change lives. Let's pray. Dear Father, all things were created by you and are under your power. You are the great I am. But Lord, you call us to be a part of what you're going to accomplish. Lord, help us to be faithful to what you're calling each and every one of us to do individually. Remind us that it will be done and, and happen in your time and in your power and not ours. Thank you, Lord, for making salvation possible so we could even know you to begin with. We love you and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.